Uh, before we get started, I'm back on Go and Be. I've been on that since March, and I, and I have no idea when the Lord's going to take us off of that. It's just been, I've enjoyed, I don't know how many of you guys have enjoyed these, these sermons out of Exodus. Uh, we're going to start the plagues today, the 10 plagues. And uh, uh, when we look at God's word, there's a lot of different ways you can go. You can tell the history of it and tell the stories of it and all those wonderful things. But one of the things I always like to do is, is try to try to bring that twist, that, that thing that's a little deeper, something that we weren't thinking about, and, 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 and then use that to impact our lives, to, to make this sermon practical for my life. And I realize these things happened thousands of years ago, but yet God's word is so applicable for my life. And so as I, as I look into God's word, I'm always asking, Lord, how, how is this going to help me? How's it going to help the congregation? How's it going to help the people that hear it out in the other states on, when it's going out on SoundCloud? How is that going to help? And he, he never, he never, you know, you know one thing I learned about God, he never fails. You know that? He never fails. And so uh, we'll do a little couple, a little twist today on this uh, first plague, and it's about the blood. I'm, gonna, I'm not supposed to talk a whole lot, but I'm, we'll, we'll get through this. <laughs> so if I start to slow down or I start to slobber a little bit, it's because half of my face is still numb, right? Uh, we'll get through it, though. Some of you came today. You may not even know why you're here. Somebody asked you to come, and you came. All right, that's something to do. You're here because there's a plan for your life. And I've been on this for a while. There's a plan that God has for your life. There's, there's a, a, a process that God wants to take you through. And there's a purpose behind all of that. And some of you come in and you've got some, just your hearts are like, just, like just feel it from up here. You're, you're just like tight and tense and you're just, you're just struggling with so much of what life has, has brought to you. Or what you have brought upon yourself. I'm going to tell you there is a way, a great peace. And I'm not going to tell you, I can't, I can't wave a magic wand over you and, and, and you all of a sudden have this great peace. But there is a great peace in this life. There, there is a, a great love and a great understanding in this life. And some of you may be struggling with just trying to figure out who loves me and who doesn't love me. And, and you, you just all, all tied up. I understand those things. I've been through them. But I also know I, have, I serve a Lord that, that loves me and entangles these things. And as I go to his word and I look deep into his word, and I look deep into how much he loves me, all these things start to separate in my life. And a peace, like, there's not words for the type of peace that God gives us. And each individual has his own type of peace that God gives you. The freedom from something that, that has drug you down and tearing you apart. But I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way. What, what, what I get so upset, not so much the word upset, but so hurt over is people think they have to live that way. And you don't. And the world just pounds on you, acting like there's no escape. When there is an escape. His name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus for me. Now say it again. I mean, say Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Amen. I don't know of any other escape except Jesus. 
I don't know of any other way to find this peace except Jesus. As we get into these ten plagues and we start to understand it. Keep your heart on Jesus. Let me pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, take us deep into your word today. For those, Lord, that are out here that, that have got great pain, I ask you, Lord, to, to just put your Holy Spirit upon their heart, upon their shoulder, that they'll pay attention today, that there is a way out. Bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. What's most important Within any task, I mean any task, if, if God's got a task for you, if you're doing a job and, and, and I, I've got a light bulb and a puzzle, a game up here we'll talk about in a minute. With any task, is it the accomplishment? Is it you're going to run through, now when I'm on a job, man, the task is getting those doors up, getting that hardware on and getting out of there. And if Brad can, he can tell you about when I was younger, we would work 20 hours, 24 hours a day, and we'd just go sleep a few hours, get back up, and go again. And they all thought, they called me Chief Crazy Horse. But I had a task, and that task was to accomplish something. And I, 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 I didn't really care about the process of it. I just wanted it over with. Well, I think when we come to God and his word, I think sometimes we get all wound up that we're, we're so busy trying to accomplish, trying to, to pour all this in, and when we can't get it all in, when we can't figure it all out, we just kind of say, I can't handle it. I, I see that person over there, they seem to get it, but I'm just not getting it. Well, I think one of the problems is we need to enjoy. We need to enjoy the process of learning who God is. And if you're not enjoying every aspect of learning who God is, if you're not enjoying that, there's something wrong deep within your heart. But I'll tell you that some of the, some of the best times I've ever had is just me and God. I mean just me and God. Everybody say me and God. Yeah. When we have some of the best times and I'm on my knees and I've got my Bible open, it's just me and God. He had a, a task and he wants to use that to accomplish things in my life. And it's a process that he takes me through. So what's the most important in the task? The accomplishments are the process of the accomplishment. Thomas Edison, I'll try to quote this. I'm not sure exactly how it will, but he invented the light bulb. Everybody know that? Well, somebody said, was so excited for when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. And they said, yeah, you invented the light bulb. How exciting. We got light. And he says, no, what I did was I learned 99 ways not to do it. 99, see, that's, that's one of the things as we go through to, as we learn God's word is we learn a lot of things not to do, don't we? But see, we have to go through that process. We have to go through that to learn those things. And sometimes Satan just wants to use those things that seems like we're just a failure in life when you're not. I mean, who told you that? And if they're telling you that, why in the world would you listen to them? There are ways to learn who God is in your life. We have to go through them because that 100th time is the time the light comes on. Amen? We got these games. There's this game back here in the youth room, and it's, it's called Bible Quest. Now, I know a lot of people, I know some people out there like, where's Blackwell? He likes to win. You got to watch him like a hawk. I, I, well... He likes to win, and a lot of people like to win. You know, John's always out front on the motorcycles. If he's on a horse, you know where John's at? 
He's out front. You know why, though? I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody got a secret for you. It's because his horse is bumpy anywhere else. His horse runs smooth out front. You put him back behind Renegade, my horse, and John's not doing this thing. So he's always trying to get in front. He don't fool me. But a lot of us like to win, and we get in these games, you know, this game about, uh, about the Old Testament. You know, it, it's not getting started on the game and getting finished the game. It's the process of going through it and the things we learn through it. And that's what's most important about God's Word. So when we look at Exodus, we think, well, that happened a long time ago. How can I have a meeting in my life? Well, you just got to pay attention. You just got to pay attention and enjoy it. Don't be in a rush. Enjoy it. In Exodus 7, 16 and 80, it says, And you shall say to him, and this is the, this is the blood, this is the first plague. Moses is going to go back to Pharaoh, and he's been there a couple of times, and, and, and things have worked out with the, with the rod and the snakes and things like that, and other things haven't worked out, and he keeps going back because God says, go back, go back, don't stop, don't stop, keep going, let my people go. And Moses is dead set on this. Every time he goes back, he's what? He, he's in, he's in, in threat of his life being taken from him. Pharaoh can do whatever he wants, but he still goes back. He still pours out the trust in God that we need. And every time a friend of yours says, I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus, well, you just go home and pray a little more, and you wait for God to open up your heart to say something else, or that God will bring somebody else around that person. It will have a soft heart and turn to the Lord. And this is where we're at, and it's, he's going back, and this is the first plague. Now, in, in these first plagues, let me get my glasses on here. In the first plagues, well, there's a reason. There's a reason God does these things. I'm going to read his scripture, and then we'll get deeper into it a little bit. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you. Now, Moses has done that before. And he's going to continue to go because when God sends me to somebody, guess what? I'm going because God sent me. I have authority from God to go. And, and, and I have authority from God to be what he wants me to be when he sends me out. I'm not going on my own authority. And so whatever the process of that is, whatever takes place in all that, it's up to God. It's not up to me. I'm just the one going. Then the Lord of God, the Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Now, how many of you got friends? If you want something applicable for your life, how many of you got people in your jobs and friends that you have, you have said over and over again, maybe not, maybe not about talk about the cross or talk about Jesus, but you've inserted words and things trying to draw them closer to God. We all have done that. Or we all should be doing it. And they just continue to, to say, like, it's not going to happen. Well, who made you God? You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. You keep going and being. And you let God go through this process. Let him accomplish what he's going to accomplish. In 17, it says, Thus the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river and the rod that is in, within my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. God has a plan here, and he has a process, and he's getting ready to implement it. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. 
God's getting ready to, to do something that the Egyptians will never forget. We're still talking about it today. These ten plagues, there's a, there's a process to this. The first, the first two plagues are the gods of the water, the Nile. And they've got some names for them, but I can't pronounce them. There's two gods that he's going to attack. Now, see, God, he, he's, he's in the business of attacking these little g-gods. He knows that these small gods that we put in our lives are the things that are trying to destroy our lives. And so he'll oftentimes come at us and want to attack those things that you have made idols in your life. He's actually trying to help us get past these things. And what he's going to do, he's going to come out in these first two plagues and he's going to attack the gods of the Nile because the Egyptians had lots of gods. And he's going to go right to the heart of it. I mean, the river, the water, that's how you live. And without water, you don't live. So he's going to come right at them. He's going to prove to them there's nothing you can do. The next four plagues is the gods of the land are attacked. They have all kinds of gods out in the land, and they're going to be attacked. He's going to attack them. And then the, the seven, eight, nine is the gods of the sky. And, of course, the, the sun god, Ra, is, is one of the most important gods. In fact, Pharaoh thinks he's part of that god. How many gods has God attacked to set you free? How many times do you think that, that, that everything's going crazy in your life? Well, maybe it's just God trying to attack something that you're letting destroy your life because he's a loving God. He wants you to have a wonderful life. And he says, listen, quit being the victim. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you past this destructive life that you're living in. If you'll just pay attention, if you'll just recognize the love I have for you, we'll get through this together. All of us have been through these things. Some of you are going through it. I don't care who you are. There's something you're going through right now. I'm telling you, the God of my love, the God, my Lord, he wants to help us. And so he'll come out and he'll attack these things. And sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a conviction in our heart. And we realize there's something that I'm not letting go of. But yet God is just begging you and he's crying out to you. And you'll hear it. He'll give you confirmation. And you'll know it. You'll know deep in your heart that God's talking to you. And I mean to you. At that moment, it's your decision. It's your decision. Because we have a God that loves us so much. And he won't make us robots. He'll actually let you go. Boundaries and limitations. I want to tell you something. Satan has boundaries and limitations. Sometimes it may not feel like that. But he does. In Job 1.12 it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Satan has boundaries and limitations. He's not, he's not omnipresent. He's not omni like God in any way. And we know Pharaoh is a shadow of Satan. We know that. We can see it in the scriptures. And when you, see when you see what the thing Satan is doing, it's God revealing to you, are you doing like Satan's doing? If you're doing like Satan's doing, well, then who are you following? So I got some, as we get into this sermon a little bit later on, there's some things that are going to smack you right in the face. Smack me right in the face. 
Pharaoh's personality is a shadow of Satan. The boundaries and limitations he finds himself in are all a result of pride and choices and the choices he had made. Pharaoh has made a clear choice. Moses turned that water to blood. And all Pharaoh had to do was say, I'm done. I'm going to let you go. But Satan, be the prideful person that he is, says, no, I'll just think I'll stick around and we'll try something different after I... After all, I'm my own God. You know, the problem is a lot of us, we got a problem sometimes thinking we're our own God. To walk away from God, to pursue your own destiny, isn't that exactly what Pharaoh chooses to do? And I'll show you that in a scripture in a minute. Here comes the magicians, the whatever you want to call them, of Pharaoh. And he's going to show God, boy. And I've looked at this scripture, I don't know how many times over the years. And what I'm about to give you here, you need to write it down. It, it helped me profoundly. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enhancements. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. What they did was they... they if, Moses had taken that rod, he turned everything into blood and everything. All the water's turning into blood all over the place. And so here comes Pharaoh. Just like Satan, always trying to duplicate what God's going to do, but it's always not right. And he tries this again, and, he, and here comes his enhancements. And how they did it, I haven't got a clue. But they did it. And so Moses has got this. I'm, I'm almost out of red dye, folks. But Moses has got... What he's done, he's turned the water to blood. And it says here that they come along and they're going to do the same thing. The magicians of Egypt did so with their enhancements and Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed the Lord as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So as, as he comes along and his magicians come out and there's Moses, here he comes. He says, we can do the same thing. So they take a bad thing and make it worse. Didn't that Satan do? I mean, he comes along in life. You've got some things going on in your life that, just, that are just tearing you apart. He comes along and just wants to make it even harder on you. Now, here's the thing I want to emphasize to you a little bit. You can't undo what God did. Pharaoh had limits and boundaries. He might have been able to make the blood more darker, whatever you want to call it. But wouldn't you think he would take the blood out of the water and the water would be clean again? Amen? You know why he can't do that? He's not God. He's not God. To make something worse as, as, as it seems like sometimes things just pile on your life, and, and Satan can sure pile more on your life. But he it cannot make you clean again. He cannot purify you. If he could have, he would have cleaned the water right then and there. He's not a, the God. He's just a little puny God like in that Avengers movie. Just a little puny God. All he can do is cause more trouble. If you want the real God, if you want the real clean heart, if you want the pure water, then you've got to go to the one true God. The only one that can clean it up. 
down here at the end, it says here, and Pharaoh turned and went into his house. His heart was so hardened. And you know, as I look at that, 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 that verse, the end of that verse, it's those, it's those people that I've, I've laid out in my heart, I, I've preached my heart out, or, or the, somebody that you have just loved and prayed for for years, and every time you mention the word of Jesus, they just turn and walk away. Now, I'm not going to... Guess what? I turned and walked away too in my life. You keep praying. Amen? You keep praying. I got people I'm praying for. The people have been in this church. I just keep praying for them, keep praying for them, keep praying for them. And never quit, never give up on God's word. God's word is forever, it's eternal. But you recognize it when they walk away from God. When, when God's calling you and you walk away and he's the, and the and Pharaoh's the shadow of Satan. You're walking just like him. You're doing exactly what he did. So you can clearly understand you're not following God. You're following Satan. You're following his mode, his ways. Where do you think that's going to take you? What do you think is going to happen to your life? What do you think is going to happen? It's going to continue to get worse. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. One drink's not enough. One drug's not enough. One pornography site's not enough. One church is not enough. And it piles on and piles on, and the heart struggles. To find some kind of freedom. You know how blessed we are to know Jesus Christ? Seven billion people in the world. How many of you think of know Jesus Christ? I mean, it's a small number. Do you have any idea how blessed you are to sit in an air condition with lights and all the fancy stuff? Any idea how blessed you are? We deserve none of it. Yet by grace and mercy, he pours it out on us. I have a life that is so blessed. And my goal is to never turn my back on Jesus and walk away. All Pharaoh had to do, all you have to do, is I surrender. I surrender. I don't even understand what I'm surrendering to. But I know it's a whole lot more, a whole lot better. I surrender some kind of love that I've never felt before. God's got a plan, He's got a process, and He's got a purpose for you. And it starts the moment you're born, and it starts the process the moment. You accept him in your life. You start growing in who he is in the sanctification of what he wants you to be. Now, I want to get on some of you a little bit here. Some of you need to be doing more in this church. And I don't know who you are. Not my business. That's between you and God. Some of you need to be praying more. Some of you need to be studying more. Some of you need to get into the Word of God, deep into the Word. Some of you need to get yourselves in BSF this fall. It's because those things 
make life loving. Amen? They make life everything. To be discipled by the word of God, by people that love God. It changes every aspect of your life. And it just keeps on going. It just keeps on going. It says here, and Pharaoh turned and went into the house. And everybody read that last part. Neither. Everybody read it for me. Neither. Miracles of God laid out before him. He can't lay a hand on Moses. He can't lay a hand on Aaron. He is like in a prison and he doesn't even know it. And God offers him and he offers all of Egypt. The Egyptians are following this little God. And they're as to blame as he is. You follow people, the people, the men and women of God, but the minute they turn their back on God, you pray for those people if they ever do. You pray for them and you quit following. Digging for water. This part kind of amused me a little bit. It quite frankly was... I looked at it and I thought, this is exactly like so many of us do. They couldn't drink the water. It was this lasted for seven days. They couldn't drink the water, the, the cattle and all this. I mean, you got to have water. And so they, they go out and they does what the scripture here, let's read it. It says, G, I'm sorry, I went to John 4, 13 and 14 first, but... They couldn't drink the water because it was bad. And in John here, we're going to understand what this water is from the woman at the well. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. that's That's just that wonderful love and the power of the Holy Spirit that is overwhelms our lives and takes control of our lives and starts to move in peace in our lives. But the Egyptians, they didn't care for this kind of water. They could have rised up. They could have done a lot of things. They could have trusted the God of the Hebrews. They chose to go out and dig. When have you chosen to dig anywhere else but God? and his word to supply your need. Does that make sense to you now? They had a need. It was water. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. Oh, my, my, my. God's got a beautiful river for you. It can flow up into your heart like a fountain that never stops. An eternal life that he wants to pour out on you, an eternal joy and peace. But so many of us will grab a hold of the shovel and we'll go over here and say, I see that river, it looks kind of nasty now. I know how to fix my heart, but I think I'll just dig over here. Just dig over here and try to find a different way to make me happy, to make my life fulfilled. I know I just got to turn and trust. I've heard about that, Jesus. I, I know I just can, can turn and trust him, but I don't, I'm not really sure I believe that. But that Moses, wow, 
that Bible. How did they do that? I'm going to tell you the first thing you got to do is drop the shovel. Drop it. It was never yours to hang on to. If you're digging somewhere else for the happiness and the joy and the peace in your life, if you're digging somewhere else because you've decided you have a plan for your life, you're going to make the plan you can't control when you go to the bathroom and you're going to make a plan? And then you think that you can have this process in place and it's just going to work out? You ever go to work someday and that didn't work out like you thought? I went to surgery. I thought I was going to be back up here preaching just a few days. It didn't work out like I thought. I had a plan. It just didn't work out. And so when those things don't work out, that's when our lives just go, whoo, crazy. We pick up the shovel again and start digging for something else. I know one of the things the Bible tells us have is a little patience. Amen? You know that something else it tells us have a little self-control. You come in here today with a heavy heart, you can leave with a light heart. You can leave with the, the beginning of a wonderful plan and a process for your life that God has. That's going to take you the rest of your life and eternity to figure it all out. But I plan on going right on through that with God. The moment I take my last breath, amen, I'm heading home. I'm going to see the purpose of all this. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start loving. I'm going to figure out whatever job he's got for me to do. I'm hoping it's cleaning stalls. Whatever it is, it's going to be joyful. Amen? I'm going to go up to heaven where there's no gossip and there's no drama. There's no drugs. There's none of that junk that's going to tear our lives apart. There's no more death. There's nobody, somebody else trying to be better than me or me trying to be better than them. I'm not going to be jealous. We can't even start to fathom that kind of life. We live in such a darkness in this world. But if we'll open up God's word and just climb in there, I mean, just get right in there with it. He'll start to give you glimmers. And your heart starts to pound. And this love starts to overwhelm you. God's taking control. He's moving you to a direction you never dreamed you could ever go. And the only thing that stops you is you. Is you and the lack of self-control in your life. God's whole word is about faith and trust, salvation, sanctification, peace and joy. Love. The greatest gift is love. Why in the world doesn't the world reach out for it? You hear about the Ten Commandments they put there in Arkansas this week? It was up less than 24 hours and somebody smashed it with a car. That wasn't smart. Tore that car up. But did you also hear down in Kentucky they passed the laws, went into effect Friday, that they're going to be able to teach the Bible in the schools in Kentucky? Amen. So you can, you can listen to all the bad news you want, but God is working. Amen? Now, they'll put those Ten Commandments up again. I bet they'll put some more security around at this time. 
Now, the secularism and the atheism and all the ism, ism, isms is coming after you. That's just Satan making the water darker, just adding more blood to it. He can't make it clean. He can't make it right. Only God can do that. And you church people, you need to get deeper in the word and love the Lord with passion. Give him all. Give it all to him. Some of you out there, you don't know Jesus. I don't know who you are. None of my business between you and God. And you're struggling in life. You think there's no, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. How can I, guess what? I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring either. And I preach the word of God. But by faith, I'll go into it. Amen? Whatever tomorrow brings is what God brings to my life. I'll see the joy and the pleasure in it. I'll see the teaching in it. I'll see his love in it. I won't look at it in a negative way. Although I might get caught up in it for a short bit. But I always look into it. I always try to get on my knees and pray and show me God. Show me God. Show me God. And I open up his word and there it is. What a powerful, loving God we serve. And all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. Now, doesn't that verse have a little more meaning to you now? To recognize, this is your challenge for the week. Come on up, Cole and Kelly. Challenge for the week. I put these up every week. I used to do the words for the week. I may go back to that pretty soon where you guys had to tell me the words. I know a lot of you enjoyed that. To recognize. Now listen to me. Everybody listen up here. To recognize when God is attacking a false god in your life. Well, that's a plural there. That's, that's plural. When God is attacking false gods in your life. To recognize that. To recognize the conviction. The things that he says... Will you just change? Will you, will you just get on your knees and pray? Will you just start this plan, this process I have for you? Will you please get it started? Will you finally have enough of this world? Will you finally have enough of following Satan? Will you quit digging in the wrong, the wrong areas? I don't know how to tell you any different, but you have a loving God that created you, that loves you, and he'll take every pain away from you. It takes time. It takes process. It takes getting into God's word. It takes being around God's people. Some of you have got to quit hanging out with the people you're hanging out with. Well, I don't know why I'm not changing at all. Well, who's your friends? Well, I'm watching those in jail right now, but he'll be getting out next week. I'll go pick that boy up. <laughs> What in the world? What in the world are you thinking? Love them. Love them. Help them and pray for them. And if they start to change, you hang in there with them. But if they will not change, you're not changing them. God changes them. Amen? Start spending more time in a church with godly people that love you. You don't have to be this church, some church, some place that, where godly people are at. There are people that actually smile, that don't need some kind of, some kind of 
hallucinatic jug that makes them smile. Somebody that actually cares about you. You know, I got this boy right here. He cares about me. You see this? Come here. Come here. You see this little girl right here? She gets me on the messenger. And sometimes, sometimes she gets, she plays the drums good too. But she hits me on that message. She doesn't know it, but sometimes when she hits me on that, man, you have no idea when I needed that. Love it. That's how God uses us. Be around people that love you enough that will tell you you've got to stop the destructive life you're living. Be around those people. You want peace? Be with people that's got peace. You want drama? Be with people that's got drama.